Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study where we study the scriptures line upon line. I'm hoping that I'm coming through uh, clearly. I'm not in the studio, obviously, um, but hopefully my audio is coming through clearly. Maybe you could just confirm that in the chat while we open up in prayer and then get into this evening's study, which we are studying tonight, uh, two chapters, God willing. Uh, that's going to be Isaiah chapter 24 and uh, chapter 25. And, and this really is the, the good news of the, the prophet Isaiah. So let's open with a word of prayer and then we can get into uh, this evening's study. Loving Father, we bow before you, uh, just ever so grateful, Lord, that in this time of incredible chaos and, and darkness and turmoil and confusion, that you've put it in our hearts to want to study your word, You're this ancient word, these, these scriptures that are thousands of years old, and yet speak very clearly and forcefully into our time and enable us to have clarity in terms of what is happening in this world and what will happen next. And we just thank you for this, Father. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the confidence that we can have in your word. And we thank you that we can uh, be together on this journey, this community of believers, uh, that we can be together on this journey as we study your word line upon line. We praise you, Father. We thank you for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and, and his constant vigilance. And we pray, God, for your continued blessing. And we, we have to just lift up again our sisters, uh, Sister Lisa, uh, we pray, God, that you'll just continue to be with her. We're always encouraged when we get good news, but we know this is a, a long journey that she's on, and we just pray for your continued intervention. And also for our sister, Mary Bredar, who's also on a long journey of recovery. We pray for your mercy on these two sisters, Father. We praise you. We thank you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, brethren, just before I get into tonight's study, what I do want to do actually is just share a little bit of an announcement and let me do that. Um, let's see here. I want to, first of all, just um, share with you what we are doing in terms of a new campaign. So let me just quickly share this. So hopefully you should see this. Uh, this, this will be an ad that we will uh, show on social media. And so we'll, on social media, we know that a lot of brethren or a lot of members previously found us by searching for the Sabbath. They, they were convicted of the Sabbath. So we're going to be doing something around the Sabbath and um, doing some advertising on social media around this special report that they can, they can have access to around should Christians keep the Sabbath. So that's step one. Uh, step two then is once they ask for that, uh, we will send them, uh, let me see if I can see this now. Uh, we'll basically, we'll send them a PDF. Um, let me just see if this will work, yeah. So we're gonna send them a PDF of this booklet, uh, Understanding the Sabbath. And we've just basically the same booklet that's been out for years. We've just revamped it so that it's a bit more graphically pleasing, but it's the content that's in our booklet, Understanding the Sabbath. And we just, uh, again, just treated it so it's a bit more graphically pleasing and uh, easier to read. So, so they, will, they will get that um, document. So we'll advertise, do you want this? They'll get that document. And then once they've received that and we have their email address, we're then going to invite them to our Bible study program. And I'll just show you quickly 
uh, we do have multiple courses now that all of these Bible studies that we've been doing over the years together, uh, Pastor Jim French has been phenomenal in putting a team together. Some of you in our virtual congregation and some in our local congregation have been helping us. Uh, right now, we've just been focused on the Gospel of Luke. That's the first one we want to release. And then we want to do the Book of Acts next. Uh, but all of these video, all the video content for all of these books is covered so far. <laughs> God spares life. Maybe we'll have all of the books of the Bible covered here. What we would like you to do, if you're uh, willing to help us out here, is um, let me just go back here and stop sharing. Oh, I didn't share. Sorry. Let me just share this. There we go. So um, all of these books we've covered uh, in our years together studying the Bible. And what uh, Pastor Jim French has done is break all of these um, books that we've covered uh, down to 15-minute um, modules. And then we're going to have quizzes for every 15-minute module just to reinforce the learning. And so far, we're complete now with the book of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is ready to launch. We're working next on the uh, book of Acts. But the video content for all these books is there. It's ready to go. Um, we might release it all for, for brethren, but for people who are new, who are coming in, we want them just to film the Gospel of Luke and then the Book of Acts. And we think that if they, those two books, they'll have a, they'll get a great grasp of the Bible and, and maybe be able to depart from some of the traditional understanding that they've had in the past. So that's what we're working on. I'm going to go ahead and drop in the chat um, where you can register um, for the Understanding the Sabbath um, booklet. So once you, once you sign up for that booklet, you'll then also be invited to register for the Bible study course. And what we would love, 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 is if you would actually sign up and take the Gospel of Luke and go through the process and just give us feedback on the whole process. Uh, how, how was it for you? Was it easy to sign up? Were there any glitches? Do you have any feedback for us that can help us improve? Uh, we would appreciate that. So I'm going to just go ahead and type this in the chat. And I should have checked. Yeah, loud and clear. Thank you so much. I should have checked to make sure that I'm coming through clearly. So wonderful. So I've gone ahead and I've posted in the chat um, the link. And I guess this is the chat for YouTube and Facebook. And maybe I should also try and drop it in the CGI.online church chat. Let me do that as well. And uh, we would just love it if you would go ahead and uh, sign up and just make sure that I can do this. Yep, so it's there as well. So that's our announcement. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. And again, uh, uh, Pastor Jim has done such a wonderful job of getting all this video content. And the other thing that's really great about this is as people are going through these courses and the video content, uh, they can download the videos locally. So we want to have all of this video content on as many hard drives as possible so that it's just out there uh, permanently. Anyway, the ask right now is uh, if you could go ahead and um, uh, go ahead and sign up in the link for the Sabbath booklet. And then once you've gotten that booklet, uh, you'll also get a request to sign up for our Bible study course for the book of Luke. We would love it if you did actually sign up for that and then uh, go through it uh, with these 15 minute increments. 
you know, you, you as serious Bible students, you can listen for an hour. Sometimes they go a bit longer for an hour, but many people, they don't have that attention span. And so we want to just bring it down to 15 minute modules and then give them some opportunity to test their learning and reinforce their learning with a bit of a quiz. And then they can continue uh, onto the next 15 minute module. We think this is going to be a much more effective way of getting the gospel out there and helping people just come along from previously held beliefs in a gradual way. So that's how we would love if you could uh, help us out and participate in this new approach that we're going to have. We want to really do a hard push. Uh, begin. We're doing a soft launch right now. We'll, we'll ramp it up in, in August to go live to the public. And then beginning in September, God willing, we'll really have a strong push through to the end of the year and then just take stock and see how well, how effective was this. And then we can um, really take stock to, to continue this next year. And, and hopefully when people come in, they'll have all these different uh, Bible courses and books and chapters that they can um, participate in. But we want to start with the Gospel of Luke and Acts to make sure they have the, the right narrative. So give us your feedback on that. We, we'd greatly appreciate it. Tonight, though, we want to um, study the Gospel according to Isaiah. And unfortunately, I'm not getting my um, ability to share the scripture this evening. When I'm not set up with the right um, technology here, sometimes it's just not willing to uh, work with me. So let me just go ahead and read the passages and hopefully you can um, follow along. So we're going to start in Isaiah 23 and verse 8. We'll just pick up a little bit of content uh, from last week when God's focus was on the book, uh, the, the city of Tyre. Okay, maybe I can, oh, it looks like I'm going to get it now. There we go. I think I can share this. There we go. Wonderful. Beautiful. Okay, so let's just go back to Isaiah 23 and verse 8, uh, where the focus was on the city of Tyre. Who has, take, who has taken this counsel against Tyre? So we just see this complete destruction of Tyre. And then the prophet is asking, who has who's done this? Who, who's, who has this plan to bring down this glorious city of Tyre, the crowning city whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth? So this is all about commerce. Babylon was all about mystery religion. Tyre is all about commerce. And the mystery of religion spreads all over the world. But so does this commerce. And through this global commerce and this global traffic uh, between Babylon and Tyre, they engulf or they ensnare the whole world in Satan's system. And you know who, who has brought down Tyre? The Lord of hosts has purposed it that we saw that God has a purpose. And th this, is, this is what makes God, God. That, and this is why we can go into these ancient texts, the texts that are thousands of years old, that people think, oh, the Bible's, you know, I tried reading it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you have to be given permission by God to understand it. But this text that's thousands of years old, why does it make sense to our day here at 2021? Why is it making perfect sense that the, the world seems to make no sense until you read the ancient scriptures? Because God has a purpose. He has a counsel. And in his purpose, he has designed that these Gentile nations would become very powerful, almost unstoppable, and then they would be brought down by him and Jerusalem would be established. This is his counsel. This is his plan. So who's behind the destruction of Tyre and this global commerce, this global traffic? God is. The Lord of hosts has purposed it. 
to stain the pride of all glory. And we, we just saw throughout Isaiah this constant refrain of the destruction of pride. And that pride is really the root cause of the, the, the problems in the earth and the corruption in the earth and the, the alienation from God in the earth. It's all down to human pride, whether it's Gentile nations, the most powerful nations, or it's Jerusalem herself. It's always coming back to pride. And Tyre is no exception that God has purposed it to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. So we're, we're in upside down world. All those nations and all those movements and all those people that are in great honor today, when the world is set right side up, they're going to be in humiliation. And God's people who are being humiliated today and being humbled and, and, and desecrated, when Christ returns, we are going to put in positions of exaltation. So the world is upside down at the moment. And Tyre is no exception. It's in this glorious position, but God wants to bring it down along with all those who have benefited from her traffic. He says in verse 18 of chapter 23, and her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to Jehovah. So this is interesting that all of this wealth from all of this traffic and global commerce, ultimately, where is it all heading? It's heading to become holiness to the Lord, that, that all of this will be to contribute to the glorification of God. It shall not be treasured nor laid up, for her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before Jehovah, to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. So all of this wealth is going to be transferred to God's people. And that's where now we lead into chapters 24, 25, and, and 26. We won't cover 26. Um, we'll just cover the first part of 26 tonight, God willing. But next week, God willing, we'll do chapter 26. But this is now a new section. So we've, we've come through chapters 13 to 23, which are all about these judgments on these nations, including Jerusalem. All of these nations fall under God's judgment. And now we come to the culmination of this judgment, as well as the introduction now of the rule of God. This is the moment we've all been waiting for, the moment we've all been looking for. So we need to go through this uh, global judgment now in order to set up the kingdom of God. Chapter 24 and verse 1. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste. God is going to do this. God is going to do this. this the, you know, the, the, the whole movement now is about oh, overpopulation and these elite want to control the population of the earth and, and really remove a lot of the population of the earth. Well, God has a, a, a overpopulation plan. He's going to make the earth empty and he's going to make it waste and turn it upside down, which is going to really be right side up and scatter abroad and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. This is horrible. This is horrendous. This is human beings being thrown all over the place. We're going to see uh, skulls broken in pieces, bones, uh, limbs torn apart when, when God scatters uh, the inhabitants of the earth and shakes the earth mightily. Th this is horrible. This is horrendous. And it should put us in mind, and we've studied Hebrew. Hebrews is in the archive, and it will be available in, in the lineup online academy. 
but in chapter 12 and verse 25, he mentions this. He says, see that you refuse not him that speaks. And this is our message to our brethren today. Do not refuse Christ. Do not get caught up in false concepts and conceptions of Christ. Submit to the Christ of the Bible and do not refuse him that speaks. For if they, that is the children of Israel, escaped not, who refused him that spoke on earth, which was Moses, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. And he's not here on earth with us now, but he is inspiring and has inspired the, the scriptures. He's inspired the scriptures through the prophets and through the apostles. And now he's inspiring teachers to unlock the scriptures for us. And he's doing this from heaven. And, and, and so we cannot afford to get caught up with earthly philosophies. We have to be caught up and completely enraptured and engulfed and immersed in the word of God. And this is it. This, this is all we are focused on and not getting caught up in other ideologies. So if they didn't escape, who refused him that spoke on earth, what's going to happen to the church? This is speaking specifically of the church who turns away from him, that is Christ, who speaks from heaven. Well, don't just because we're in the church, we, we should not have this, oh, I'm in the church, everything's going to be great, I'll just kind of waltz into the kingdom. No, there's going to be a bit of a test. And we have to endure and get through that test. But obviously there's going to be some, and the Hebrew Christians were at risk of this, of refusing Christ. And so there's going to be some who are going to do this, maybe many. Whose voice then shook the earth, so back then he shook the earth with his voice, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. This period of time that's just ahead of us is going to be climactic, catastrophic. It's going to be something that our minds cannot even get our heads around. So we should not be caught up in the affairs of this life because mankind has to get through this. And mankind includes the church and includes Judah. We all have to get through this when God not only shakes the earth, but he's gonna shake heaven also. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. So this, this, this shaking, this yet once more, is to see what really is going to stick and remain. So it signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. The, the purpose is to remove those things that are not established, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So the only way we cannot be shaken is if we hold on to the word of God. And I was doing actually just a quick search in um, Isaiah, and I, I, I just left it off here. Here it is, that I was just doing this quick search in Isaiah of how many times that does Isaiah say, the Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken. Thus has the Lord spoken. And just a very quick search here, uh, 11 times in the book, just constantly repeating. And this is, the, I, I could go into further when it says, you know, the counsel of the Lord, uh, who, can, who can withstand it? This, that's another way of saying the Lord has spoken. But there are many ways that throughout the book, that almost one another theme in the book of Isaiah is that when God speaks, that's it. That's it. 
that that is it and so those that cannot be shaken are those who acknowledge this who recognize this that what we have to hold on to is god's word and that's it and as mentioned on the sabbath a brother sharing with me that his observation of the church and the brethren that he's interacting with is that the brethren have opinions they don't have convictions and i thought that is just amazing so we can sit down with brethren and and any anybody can pontificate and anybody can give you their angle and their you know i think it means this and i think it means that but then something as simple as uh, a pandemic suddenly you see the panic in brethren and and their whole ability to think in a loving way about other brethren is out the window now they're terrified now they might get sick and so they don't want anything to do with any brethren and so this is what he means that you know we have opinions about the bible but we don't have convictions so when this happens when god arises to shake not the earth only but the heavens also there's going to be a thorough shaking that if all we have is opinions we're going to be removed we need conviction and that conviction needs to come from an understanding of what it means when the lord has spoken so he says yet once more this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain so after this terrible shaking what will be left are those things that cannot be shaken therefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved this is the word of god the kingdom of god will be established and that's thus has the lord spoken so we receiving this kingdom which cannot be removed let us have grace whereby we may serve god acceptably with reverence and godly fear meaning it's possible for us or brethren to serve god in a way that's not acceptable it's possible for us or brethren to serve god without reverence it's possible for us or brethren to serve god without godly fear and so when things are pointed out to us when the scripture is pointing out to us we don't care we we have this false concept of christ as this you know this big teddy bear that just wants to hug everybody he says for our god is a consuming fire this is who we worship this is who we're waiting for. This is the appearance that we're waiting for. A God that is a consuming, a destroying fire. Is this the Christ that you're being taught? Or are you being taught Christ as a big teddy bear that just wants to hug everybody? So let us make sure we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Because he's coming to destroy. He's coming to shake terribly the earth. And we want all of that wrath to pass over us. And then in all of that, he says, he, this, this next verse, remember there's no chapter breaks in the scripture. Let brotherly love continue. And this is in the imperative in the Greek. This is a command. So you, you better let brotherly love continue. Don't interrupt brotherly love. And so we've just seen in the past 18 months or past two years, let's say, how easily brethren get seduced by ideologies that divide us in, in, in carnal ways. Instead of responding to this command, you better let brotherly love continue. You better not mess with brotherly love. We're messing with it. 
and we're bringing things into the church to divide us among racial lines, among all kinds of uh, Marxist lines. This, our God is a consuming fire and he's coming to destroy this. In fact, look at um, verse two of Isaiah 24, fascinating verse. Again, this is written thousands of years ago, but it applies to our day today. When God comes to shake terribly the earth, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. Fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Because today we're being taught about white privilege and, and the rich and, and you know, they, they're just terrible. And we need to take their wealth away from them and we need to distribute it to the poor who are primarily people of color. And, and you know, if you're white, you're a racist because only black people are, are the real righteous people. And, and this is the, this ideology that's creeping into the church and causing us to divide among racial lines. This verse two completely destroys Marxist ideology, cultural Marxism, this concept privilege white privilege and 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 you know anybody who's white is horrible and and if you're black you're okay this destroys this because Karl Marx wants us to believe that the upper class are terrible that the priest is horrible but the people are fine the master is horrible but the servant is fine the mistress is terrible but we need we need social justice for the maid and it's the seller that's horrible and it's the buyer that's disadvantaged and on and on we go and all of these lines that Karl Marx sought to use to destroy civilization and destroy religion in particular Christianity in particular and, and bring down civilization so that he could implement this sort of um, social justice system which has never worked which has only brought oppression all of, all of these divisions Isaiah shows us they're false and, and our foolish brethren who are getting behind these movements to fight for the people, to fight for the servant, to fight for the maid, to fight for the buyer, to fight for the lender, and to fight for the giver of usury. All of this, when Christ comes to shake terribly the earth, he doesn't recognize any of this social justice garbage, trash, and poison. He says, you're all the same. Social justice, this is about justice. This is about God's justice. And woe unto those brethren who are falling into this ideology. Here we are two years after this thing has really, really launched, and brethren are still stuck in it. Oh, well. Oh, well. We've tried. We've tried our best to say, don't get stuck in these false carnal ideologies. Immerse yourself in the word of God. And here in one verse, Isaiah completely destroys cultural Marxism which is only designed to introduce satanic practices into society. That's all it does. That's all Karl Marx was a child of the devil and he hated God and he sold his soul to the devil. And, and, and to have brethren get into these, it's, it's horrible. Even, you know, family members getting caught up in all of this um, conflict theory and critical race theory and, and all kinds of critical theory. 
here's critical theory completely demolished by the prophet Isaiah. All that matters is righteousness and God's justice. None of this critical theory. In fact, we, we did cover this before in Leviticus 19 and verse 15. He says, you shall do no unrighteousness in justice. This, this is what God is coming to correct. When unrighteousness is injured, that you're judging in a, in a bizarre way. We even see today our society where laws are not um, uh, executed impartially. It's like if you have a certain political ideology, then you get a pass. But if you have another ideology, you're persecuted to the limit. You know, if you're a Christian, you're persecuted to the limit. If you're a Muslim, you get a pass. So, so we're, we're seeing this sort of um, biased judgment. And God says, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. You shall not respect the person of the poor. Oh, I thought the poor were righteous and, and the rich were evil that the black man is righteous and the white man is evil. I thought that that's what I'm being taught today, critical race theory, critical theory, social justice. God says, don't do this. You shall not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. Don't, don't get caught up into their economic status, but in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. And unfortunately, brethren, because they don't study Torah, they're getting swept up in social justice. And God is coming to destroy all of that and shake terribly the earth that only those things that uh, cannot be shaken will remain. And the only way we cannot be shaken, the only way we can endure to the end is if we stick to God's word. Back to Isaiah 24 and verse three, he says, the land shall be utterly emptied. This is, how do we, how do we put our imagination on this? How do we get our heads around this? That this earth that we go up and down every day, we take it for granted, you know, I'm going to get up tomorrow, God willing, and go about my business and see people going about their business. God is saying, yeah, that's all fine now, or right, through Isaiah, he's telling us, the land shall be utterly emptied. What are we, some 8 billion people on the planet today? The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled for Jehovah has spoken this word. There it is again, the Lord has spoken. This is what we have to hold on to that will remain. People are confused, people have no idea, people take things for granted. This is what the, the prophet sees and he's enabling us to see. A horrible time is ahead, that all of this chaos by man is going to culminate in God shaking terribly the earth. People are not gonna know which way is up. The whole thing is going to be shattered and human life is going to be, it's like worthless. Anybody who survives this is going to be so shattered and traumatized that they're, they're going to need the utmost of care to come back out of this, out of this shock and, and be in a position where they can now function and acknowledge the God of Israel. This is what he's doing. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. So this is what we hold on to. We're seeing the, the, the Marxists, the globalists, extremely haughty. We're seeing the Islamists, extremely haughty. The, 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 the East and the West, extremely haughty. And what can we do? 
they pass whatever laws they want to do. They do whatever they whatever they want to do. They, nobody seems to be able to stop them. But God is going to change things, and they're going to languish. And this is what we hold on to. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Words fail me. I, I, can't, I can't articulate the depth of the defilement. That, that's just passing now is like this is just normal activity. This is, this is just what humans do. Uh, the earth is defiled under the inhabitants there. We can't even understand that there's male and female anymore. That the children should be innocent. All of this is gone. We, we've lost our Christian norms. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Again, that's what Marxism is all about. It's about striking at the heart of God's laws and destroying them and destroying the family. And, and, and Islam is about destroying the, the covenant of Judah. But, but this is really speaking of the whole earth. So yes, you know, the everlasting covenant, and we can, we can search the scriptures where the covenant with Abraham is referred to as the everlasting covenant. But there's a covenant with Adam, there's a covenant with Noah. Uh, these, these covenants, these laws were known before the covenant with Abraham. And, and mankind is completely, well, by the time we get to verse 5 being fulfilled, mankind is completely rejected the way of God completely the, the earth becomes unrecognizable the whole earth is worshiping satan and this is why god has to shake terribly the earth that the earth and this is why it's so defiled uh <laughs> you've got mothers now bringing their children to, to pedophiles this is like child sacrifice this is a whole religious system that, that, that satan is setting up where he is being worshipped and the family is being destroyed which is the reflection of god whole earth is defiled by the inhabitants thereof because they've transgressed the laws. And again, when we're ch chasing after social justice, we're not realizing that we're participating in changing the ordinance. And I remember a couple of years ago, I told the brethren, I actually showed them on the website, this organization that you're supporting, they're destroying the family. And it's like, we don't care. They, 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 they want to promote homosexuality. We don't care. We just, we just know that black lives matter. But they're destroying God's law. No, Black Lives Matter. Oh, so you're, you've made your skin your idol. And as a result, you're contributing now to pedophilia. You, you have supported the pedophiles. You, you've, you've helped them get into positions of power by supporting this movement. And now they're going to come for your children and your grandchildren. And then what are you going to do? The whole earth is now defiled because they've transgressed the laws changed the ordinance and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, has the curse devoured the earth. God doesn't say, oh, because social justice, I, I have to come because of social justice. I have to come because of environmental environmentalism. All of this is paganism. And God is coming to destroy all of this. Therefore, has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. And God is coming to protect the earth. This is the true environmentalist. God is the true environmentalist. He created the earth for man. He created animals for man. And now what the, the, the pagans want to do is put man down and, and have the, the, the animals are sacred 
and man is nothing. Man is pollution. Man is corrupt. Man is garbage. Don't interact with people. Hide yourself from people. Social distance from people. And don't touch animals. And you're nothing. And you need to be destroyed, even though you're made in the image of God. So the whole world is upside down. And there, this is why the, the curse has devoured the earth. And this is why we can't be involved in these movements. And they that dwell therein are desolate. God has had it with the earth. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. This is going to be horrendous, brethren. But this is leading to the good news. This is the purge that has to occur and the correction that has to occur before Jesus Christ returns. This has to happen. The, the pride of man has gone too far. And his allegiance to Satan is just, it, it, it's untenable. And so this is how God has to prepare for the ushering in of the kingdom. The new wine mourns, the vine languishes. All the merry-hearted do sigh. So, so hey, pagans, knock yourself out. But this is coming. And you want to be on the right side of the law when Christ returns. So whatever joy you have now, if it's not in Christ, it's up. All the merry hearts do sigh. The mirth of tabrets ceases. The noise of them that rejoices ends. The joy of the harp ceases. So I wouldn't be joining in any sort of celebrations that are not rooted in Christ because it's all coming to an abrupt end. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. There is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be the shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. So it's just like nothing's left. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. So he doesn't. the prophet doesn't say who that they are, but again, I, uh, Hebrews tells us that God is going to shake terribly, not only the earth, but the heaven also, so that only those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And I think what we're seeing here is the remnant that remains. So after all of this destruction, those that anchored themselves in the word of God, and not in social justice, but in, in, in God's justice, they shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord they shall cry aloud from the sea. So God is going to preserve a remnant of Judah and a remnant of spiritual Judah to introduce Christ. And here they are. These are the ones that could not be shaken. Wherefore, glorify you the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. So the whole earth is going to be burned. People, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrendous. But there are going to be those who know what all of this is happening and who are able to preach the true gospel, especially to Judah, but to all nations, and, and, and we will be hated by all nations for his name's sake, but we will continue to glorify him, even in the fires, as, as horrendous as all of this is going to be, because we understand it's all leading up to the kingdom and the return of Christ.
Christ, we are glorifying him by us. People are getting burned up. They're, they're becoming ashes. And we are glorifying the Lord because we knew that this evil, this horrendous wickedness could not continue. There's no way you could build, your, build, build a lasting empire on this kind of wickedness. And so as God burns up the earth, we are glorifying him. Even the name of the Lord God of Israel, that this is the they don't want to hear about Israel. They don't want to hear about the God of Israel. But we, we won't stop preaching this because this is the truth, that the, we're, going to, we're going to be hated because of the name of the God of, of God of Israel, but we're going to preach it in the isles of the sea. From the uttermost parts of the earth have we heard songs, and he's going to gather his elect from all four corners of the earth. But from the uttermost parts of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But then the prophet says, okay, this is wonderful. But I said, my leanness, my leanness. Woe unto me. So even though this future picture that he sees is wonderful, he's got to get through the present. And this is the position we find ourselves in. We understand the glory of Christ that is coming. We understand the eternal kingdom that's going to be established. We understand the victory of God over wicked men. But we have to get through the present, the immediate present. And so the prophet says, my leanness, my leanness, I've got nothing. Woe to me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. That's what they do. They've given themselves over to the devil. And that's what they do. Yeah, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. And so this, we can sort of, for us today, see this on two levels. On level one, Isaiah is a Jew. He's speaking of the Jewish, uh, the whole theme of Isaiah is Judah and Jerusalem. And so the treacherous ones, the dealers, are dealing treacherously with Judah and with Jerusalem. And we see that in Daniel, Daniel 11 and verse 21, and the beast here, his estate, shall and in his estate shall stand up a vile person, a treacherous person, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. So he's going to be treacherous to Judah. So that's one level of treachery. But spiritual Judah, we also face treachery. Christ tells us, and then shall many brethren be scandalized, offended, and they shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And this is where we're going to be like the problem my leanness, my leanness, I can't count on anybody. Woe is me, because the treacherous ones have dealt treacherously. And so they're going to be, there's going to be treacherous ones within the, the, the spiritual Judah covenant community. And Christ tells us in the same way Isaiah, even though he saw this vision of this beautiful outcome, and we're about to get into it in chapter 25, even though he sees this, he's in sorrow. And Christ, even though he gave us this great vision of what's coming, he also tells us we will be in sorrow. He says, truly, 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 I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. So this is what we're seeing now, where Isaiah says that rejoicing is going to come to an end. But the reality is there will be rejoicing. And in their period of rejoicing, you shall be sorrowful but your sorrow shall be turned into joy 
and their joy will be turned into lamentation. So God is going to shake terribly the earth, but before he does that, the treacherous ones will deal treacherously, and the church, brethren in the church, are going to get caught up in it as well. And we see how easily that can happen. Back to Isaiah 24 and verse 17. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. <laughs> Calm down. Don't be so arrogant. There is a God, and this is his earth. And you can't treat his creation any way you feel. He is coming to redeem his people and establish himself and establish Jerusalem. And so all of this arrogance, all of this pride is going to end up in the pit. And it shall come to pass that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that comes up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. So this is heaven and earth. And God is opening the windows, and it's not to pour out a blessing. It's to pour out curses on the earth. And even the foundations of the earth are going to shake. This is a climactic time that we have immediately in front of us. But first, the wicked have to have their way. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. This is, you know, I've never been in an earthquake. I've seen uh, shows about tsunamis and earthquakes. and It's horrendous. You see bodies everywhere broken, arm there. It's horrible. This is the future. This is the future of the, the, of the earth of wicked men who think that they can have their way, but there's a power that's greater than all. And he's going to shake terribly the earth. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. Can you imagine this? I, I have, I can't imagine it. It's, it's too big for me to grasp that the whole earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. Now you're seeing arrogance tumbled. Now you're seeing arrogant, powerful, glorified men panicking because they can't control any of this. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. You brought this upon yourself. All of this wickedness, you brought it upon yourself. The transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. And it shall fall and not rise again. And, you know, how do, how do people, how do human beings with brains think that they can do this? This, this level of wickedness. And again, as we speak, all pedophilia has become a, 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 a massive industry. The trafficking of children, massive industry. Now that the American border is open by this wicked administration, that this is a wicked administration. Do you, do you think you can peddle children and, and God not react to this? The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. And this, this global empire, this anti-Christic empire in the end will fall and not rise again. 
and it shall come to pass in that day. This is the Isaiah's pointing ahead. This is eschatological. This is the end time. That the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth. So all this glory of man is going to be brought down. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison, and after many days shall they be visited. So the kings are going to be humiliated. They're going to be brought before God. God, Judah is going to be there to, to speak the truth of the Bible. And they're going to have to give, give their answer. Why did they think they could do these things? These powerful men. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. Again, we know this from prophecy. That the sun will be darkened. The moon will be, will be turned to blood. When the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. So the ancients are going to be resurrected. They're going to be brought back to life. And there is God in Jerusalem establishing the kingdom of God. And there's Moses and there's Isaiah and there's Abraham and there's Jacob and there's Isaac and there's Joseph and there's Daniel. And all these ancients are there with him. And all the brethren that uh, today we know and love that have died, they're all, all of us are going to be together. And Jerusalem is going to be known as holiness throughout the entire earth. That's what's happening. But God has to shake terribly the earth because of these false ideologies that all, all globally have been accepted. And the whole earth is of the, the same mind, which is antichristic. And God is going to have to shake it out of them. And when all these human beings are dead, and there's a, a remnant that's going to live over into the kingdom, God is going to resurrect the ancients. And he's going to rule from Jerusalem. And the whole earth is going to acknowledge Jerusalem. That brings us now into chapter 25, which now, after all of that, we're now going to come into the establishment of the kingdom. And I do love this chapter, and I love to read this chapter during the Feast of Tabernacles. But here he says in verse 1, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. So the whole earth is worshipping who knows what. But ultimately they're worshipping Satan. But the God of Israel, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. There it is again, his name. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Remember that. That's why we cannot be shaken. Because we understand God's plan. And God's plan goes back thousands of years. From, from the beginning, he declared the end. So his counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For you have, and what are what is this counsel, this plan of God? For you have made of a city a heap, of a defense city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no city, it shall never be built. So whatever gets established on the earth, so right now we're, we're in this period of transition. You know, we, we, the, the world that we've known has been a world that primarily has been dominated by Britain and by America, and fundamentally as a result, as, as uh, no argument that these people are wicked, but as a result of this, because they did adopt Judeo-Christian principles, the fundamental values of the fundamental value of human life 
of the, the value of the individual and the right of the individual, beginning with the Magna Carta, all of this is rooted in Judeo-Christian principles. The human being has a right, and then the Constitution of the United States, that this, these, these rights are given by God and cannot be conferred by a government and cannot be taken away by government. All this is what we've known. All of this is going away. All of this is disappearing fast. And it's no longer the individual, it's now the collective. And as a result of this worship of the collective, human life means nothing. And human beings will be wiped out and destroyed. But whatever this transition period is that we're going through, where America is collapsed, Britain has already collapsed, America is collapsing. And something is going to replace it. Well, nature hates a vacuum. So we see China on the rise. We see the Ottoman Empire on the rise. Uh, whatever this future is, it is not friendly to God's people. And it's going to be established. It's going to be glorious. And Isaiah is just profoundly amazed at how God has brought all of this down. The glory of man has been brought to nothing. You've made of a city a heap. It's like it's nothing. Of a defense city a ruin. A palace of, of foreigners, of Gentiles, to be no city, and it shall never be built. And this is the counsel of the God, of, of God, of the God of Israel. And this is where he says later in Isaiah, which we studied in did second Isaiah 46, verse 10, that God declares the end from the beginning. That's who he is. That's what makes this God unique. And, and this is the proof that God uses against all false gods. That only in the scripture do you see the end being declared from the beginning. No other scripture does this. And no other God even claims this. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And from reading Isaiah, what we understand his pleasure is and his counsel is, is Deuteronomy 30. That because his people have turned his back on them and that was foretold, Moses, even before they went into the promised land, he says, you're going to be cursed. But they're in covenant. God has made a covenant with them. And so as a result of that, they're going to be punished according to that covenant. But they're also going to be restored. And God is going to establish them as the priest class of the earth. That the whole earth is going to come to Judah. The whole earth is going to come to Jerusalem. And this was declared anciently. And nobody can stop it even if they hate Jerusalem. And in fact, um, I should just show you something quickly here. <clears throat> if I can share this passage here. So I'll see if I can share this. Again, I'm just not uh, working in my normal circumstance, but I think I'm doing that now. Let's see. So this, uh, you can see this on Jihad Watch, um, if you're able to get to Jihad Watch. Uh, Turkish webinar, Wages Anti-Israel Jihad, part one. So this is a four hour, uh, so if you just go to Jihad Watch and just search for this headline, this is a four hour conference, virtual conference. And they have a Catholic priest, an, an Arabic, uh, Arab, Arab speaking Catholic priest presenting in this conference uh, and this is what he says so this is he says this all arabs all muslims come to jerusalem come as conquerors this is a catholic priest 
So this is where we see there, there's two beast powers. There's a political beast and there's a religious beast. And the religious beast tells the people to worship the, the, the political beast. So here we have the Catholic church, Catholic uh, priest saying this, all Arabs, all Muslims come to Jerusalem, come as conquerors like Prophet Muhammad conquered Jerusalem on the night of Al-Isra. And this is this Palestinian Catholic priest, Manuel Musalam from Beirut. And this is just, just uh, last month this took place. And again, this is a four hour webinar. His piece is about 10 minutes. And he goes on, I just want to read something else that he said. It's about 10 minutes, but just the, the key of what he says here. He says, uh, so this uh, priest, Musalam, in his address, emphasized pan-Arab solidarity, in which Arab Christians, contrary to the reality of incessant persecution by a Muslim-Arab majority, lived as brothers with their Muslim neighbors. And so this is what he says. He doesn't quote scripture. We quote scripture. He doesn't quote scripture. Dear Jerusalem, Resistance steadfast, Jerusalem, he proclaimed. I And the Muslims love this. I once see you ascending to the heavens, holding a Quran in your right arm and a Bible in your left arm. He doesn't quote scripture, but he's getting the Muslims excited and inspired because he had this vision of Jerusalem ascending to heaven. And in her right arm was the Quran. And in her left arm was the Bible. Well, the Muslims love this because they hate the Bible. And anything that's despicable, you handle with your left hand. And when they use the toilet, they wash themselves with their left hand. And they never shake each, shake each other's hands with their left hand, because the left hand is for anything despicable. And the right hand is the honorable hand. So this Catholic priest is saying in his vision, what he saw was Jerusalem rising to heaven with a Quran, Quran in her right arm and a Bible in her left. Uh, namely, the hand Muslims traditionally consider to be dirty. Exactly. He says, this is what Jerusalem does. We are Arabs who are fighting and struggling for the Arab Islamic Christian civilization, which is my identity and my people and my national root. So he, he goes on, he says, I'm the Jerusalem of Arabs. This is his vision. This is what Jerusalem is saying, that I'm the Jerusalem of Arabs and Muslims. And whoever calls me the Jerusalem of Israel shall be ashamed. So if you fall, so he doesn't quote scripture. He's getting all these Muslims fully excited that this Catholic priest is telling them that Jerusalem is for the Muslims and it's not the Jerusalem of Israel. So again, if you go to Jihad Watch and you just uh, search for that, that headline, uh, you should be able to find that no problem. And it's a, it's a four hour conference uh, and it's just amazing to see how they are just stirring up globally uh, the Muslim sentiment to come, everybody come to Jerusalem. It's time to take back Jerusalem. And then the Marxists are all supporting this as well. And anybody who calls Jerusalem the Jerusalem of Israel shall be ashamed because it's the Jerusalem of the Muslims. So this is quite interesting to see how this is all unfolding. But God is saying that nobody can withstand his counsel. And Jerusalem is the Jerusalem of Israel. And Israel will be established in Jerusalem. And God is the God of Israel. And we will be hated by all nations for his name's sake. And he is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. So his, he's saying, my plan will stand. It doesn't matter what these men do. And I will do all my pleasure. And it's his pleasure to establish Jerusalem.
and here when he says you know they, they, they're going to try to build but it, it, it won't it won't last god speaks of esau so he says here it shall so he, the defense cities are ruined a, a palace of foreigners to be no city so they're saying it's not the jerusalem of israel it's the jerusalem of arabs but he's going to bring it down and it shall never be built and the arabs shall never build pitch their tent there and in malachi God says that he hated Esau. And we know that Esau uh, has joined themselves uh, to the Muslim. That, that, that's part of the Islamic world. I hated Esau, and he joined himself to, to uh, Ishmael and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom, that is Esau, says, we are impoverished, okay, we've been brought down, but we will return and build the desolate places. We just read about those desolate places through Isaiah. But they're, oh, we're going to rebuild. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. I didn't write the Bible. I assure you I did not put this verse in the Bible. All I'm doing is reading the Bible and showing you this is the counsel of God, and his counsel shall stand. And so Jerusalem will not be known as the Jerusalem of Muslims. It will be known as the Jerusalem of Israel. And God will be known as the God of Israel forever, which means that Israel is forever. That's why Isaiah 25 and verse 3. Therefore shall the strong people glorify you. The city of terrible nations shall fear you. That they, they really got drunk on their power and really believe these things that they were being told. And you have this Catholic priest saying, I saw this vision of Jerusalem going to heaven with a Quran in her right hand and a Bible in her left, because the Bible is nothing. The Bible is despicable and the Quran is the thing. And then Jerusalem went to heaven and said, I'm the Jerusalem of the Arabs and come all Muslims from all over the world and come and fight for Jerusalem. These are gonna be very powerful people. But when, when God arises to shake terribly the earth, this this deception is going to be broken and they're going to realize who the true god who the creator is and therefore the strong people shall glorify you the city of terrible nations shall fear you for you have been a strength to the poor a strength to the needy in his distress and again when we read this you know strength to the poor it's not the poor necessarily today it's the poor at the time of christ's return and there could be people who are very wealthy today, but because they will not go along with the mark of the beast, they're going to be impoverished. And, and there could be people that are poor today, but because they'll give their soul to the devil, with all of the future traffic and buying and selling and commerce, they may be very wealthy when Christ returns. So this is, this is the poor at the return of Christ. And you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. And again, when, when God burns up the earth, there are a people that are glorifying his name, that are preaching the true gospel. And he's going to be a shadow from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. So these are terrorists. These are terrible people. These are people that live by violence and treachery. And yet God is going to protect his remnant. You shall bring down the noise of strangers, of foreigners, of Gentiles, as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud, 
the branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And then God says, and in this mountain, and this is the verse I love to read during the feast, and in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. So this is the feast of the gathering. Now the whole world acknowledges God. But first there has to be the atonement, the atonement, the, 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 the atoning, the, the coming together of his people, physical Judah and Israel, as well as spiritual Judah, all need to be at one with God. That happens before, happens after trumpets, but before the Feast of Ingathering, trumpets, atonements, and gathering. So now the, the Gentiles can come in to worship after atonement. And this is the mountain, in this mountain shall Yehovah Zavuot, the Lord, the Lord of armies, the one who fights powerfully for his people. He's going to make unto all people a feast of fat things. This is going to be such delicacies, such wonderful food, such flavor. A feast of wines on the lees, the best wine. Of, of fat things full of marrow. It's where all the taste is. And wine of wines on the lees well refined. And again, you know, I did this debate with the Muslim community. Is, you know, is Allah the God of the Bible? Clearly not. Allah is afraid of alcohol. wants nothing to do with alcohol. The God of the Bible is going to put on this fantastic feast and serve the best wine. And this should also put us in mind of, of the Passover ceremony when Christ said to the, to the disciples as they uh, took wine, he says, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And I think he was alluding to and pointing to this feast that we see in Isaiah 25 and verse 6, when he brings out the best wine, invites all peoples of the earth, those that remain, to come and celebrate the establishment of the kingdom. And even the people who are hostile against him, they, they now see clearly. And they, everybody now worships the God of Israel, and he's bringing out the best wine. And his disciples are right there with him. Verse 7. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people. This is the problem. This is, this is why people are listening to this Catholic priest with no scriptures. Telling them what they want to hear. That Jerusalem, he saw Jerusalem go to heaven with the Quran in her right hand and the Bible in her left and came down to say, come Muslims from all over the world and fight for Jerusalem. That Jerusalem, anybody who says that Jerusalem is of Israel will be ashamed. They want to hear this and they love it. But when Christ returns, he's going to destroy this deception. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of covering, the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. So Babylon has this mystery religion that spread over the all over the nations, where now again we're seeing pedophilia becoming normalized as a form of pagan worship. Uh, we're seeing abortion as a form of human sacrifice. We're actually we're seeing human sacrifice. Uh, we're seeing this uh, not even acknowledging the genders anymore. We're, we're seeing this wholehearted push for, towards socialism and communism, and we're seeing the Islamization, the strength of uh, the Ottoman Empire coming back over the Middle East. Uh, all of this is deception. And when God comes, after shaking terribly the earth, he's going to remove this deception. 
and everybody's going to realize who the creator is and what his agenda is. He will swallow up death in victory. So all of this death that's been everywhere, it's going to be gone. And this notion that, you know, one dies, eventually this will become history. And we will live in a world, this is amazing, we are going to live in a world where there will be no such thing as death. That you and I will be talking, knowing that we live forever. And that people just don't die anymore. That was a thing of the past. So he will destroy in this mountain this, this deception, and he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. It's going to be just so much destruction, so much pain and sorrow. And he's going to re-resolve this. And not only will he wipe away sorrow from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. So this, this, this strange, pathological, murderous hatred that the earth has for the Jew, specifically the Jew, but all Israel, God, God is going to take this away. Instead of this envy, there's going to be appreciation. There's going to be gratitude that God has chosen a people through whom the whole earth can be saved. The, finally, the, the deception is lifted. And people can understand why God chose this nation and how it's to their benefit. So the rebuke of his people, this whole idea of the final solution, got to get rid of the Jew, that's all gone now. The rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. There it is again. For the Lord has spoken it. These are the things that we look for. What has God said? Because it's his counsels that shall always stand. The Lord has spoken it. And this, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul was alluding to Isaiah in 1 Corinthians 15 when he's trying to teach them about the resurrection. He went back to Isaiah to say the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And then there's going to be this wonderful feast. Isaiah 25 and verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. And he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Now, when we read this, naturally, we think the, this is you know, the Christian voice. These are Christians speaking. This is our God. But again, if we read Isaiah line by line, and we stay within the context of what Isaiah is saying, then these are Jews. These are Jews who have been horribly persecuted. Jerusalem has been surrounded by armies. They're doing everything they can to remove the Jew from the land, to subjugate and humiliate the Jew. And somebody, Isaiah 40, has been preaching to the Jew to say, you cannot rely on anybody except Christ. Christ is your Messiah. And there's this wholehearted repentance, because this is what Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy, specifically in Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 to 6 that because of their unfaithfulness, they have to be destroyed. Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah realizes this has to happen until, until, not, not forever, until, the abomination that makes desolate. When the abomination that makes desolate is set up, then for the Jew, the scales are lifted, the deception is lifted. And then they acknowledge wholeheartedly, with all their heart, 
that Christ is their Messiah. Zechariah 12 shows us that Christ is going to return and fight mightily for the Jew, for Judah. And it's Judah now saying this in that day. Look, this is that's why Isaiah 40 tells, comfort my people. Somebody speak peace to Jerusalem and tell her, tell Judah, your God reigns. Well, somebody's hearing this message, this gospel being preached to them, and they've acknowledged it. And now, finally, when Christ returns, they're saying, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. Because somebody was telling them, wait, don't do, do not turn your back on God. And he will save us. He's coming, Zechariah 12, he's coming to save Judah and Israel. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And it is a salvation. God is coming to save Judah and Israel. And through them, he'll save the world as we're just reading this feast. is going to be for all peoples. And the Gentiles are going to come to the light of Judah, Isaiah 60. And so we see here in Revelation 1 and verse 7 that when he comes with the clouds, the whole earth is going to see him. And they also would pierce him. This is a separate category of people who pierced him. And they're going to acknowledge him. And all the tribes of the earth, the Gentiles, shall wail because of him. So it's not a good day for them. He's coming to save his people. It's not a good day for the Gentiles. Even so, amen. And this is where we see in Matthew 23 and 24, the curse on Jerusalem and the salvation. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is what he says, watch Jerusalem. So that's what this whole reconfiguration of the earth's powers, America just giving everything up and collapsing so that Jerusalem can be destroyed. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you wouldn't have it. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. The abomination that makes desolate is coming for your house. And only when that happens will you wake up. For I say unto you, you shall not see me again. Until you, Jerusalem, you won't see me again. Until you, Judah, shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So Christ is telling us, as much as you hate me, as much as you're going to put me to death, the time is coming when you'll, after the abomination that makes desolate, when you'll finally acknowledge me, and when I return, you will say, this is our God. We've waited for him. Here he is now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Back to Isaiah 25 and verse 10. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. So again, Babylon, Tyre, and now Moab are called out specifically. And all of these are Muslim nations, all of them. And Moab is Islamic. And I think Moab is just a symbol of this pride of Islam against Jerusalem. And so Moab shall be trodden down under him. You know, Jerusalem with the Quran in her right hand and the Bible in, in what's dirty in her left. And Muslims getting so excited about this. Well, Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of as he that swims spreads forth his hands to swim. 
So he's just going to have his way with these people. And he shall bring down what? Their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And all those spoils are going to be transferred to God's people. And they'll be known as holiness to the Lord. So all this wealth that they're amassing is ultimately going to be transferred to God's people. So he's going to bring down their pride. And this is, this is the thing. They're so proud. And this is why they're so easily seduced, because they want to be the best. And Muhammad told them they were the best, the best of mankind. And this feeds the pride. And then you look at other human beings like they're nothing, and they're despicable. God doesn't want this. You know, when he comes, he's going to hold this feast for all peoples. And he wants us to have this compassion for all peoples. That's how God thinks. And the fortress of the high fort of your walls shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, even to the dust. So this, this is a very powerful action by God to, to destroy this pride. And again, the focus of the Bible, yes, he's going to deal with all peoples. He's dealing with the whole earth, but his focus is the Middle East and more specifically Jerusalem. And so, yeah, we need to look at the whole earth and what's happening over the whole earth, but our focus needs to be the Middle East and specifically Jerusalem. And then just we'll just pick up uh, next week, God willing, on chapter 26, but it's going to continue this theme. But again, just so that we're clear that the theme, I'm sorry, I should have been sharing my scripture, just so that we're clear that the theme is around Judah and Jerusalem. The book opens, the scroll opens, saying this is about Judah and Jerusalem. And we've got to be careful when we're reading that we don't just hijack the passages and make it about Christians. Isaiah was a Jew. He was dealing with Jewish people. He's dealing with the covenant with Judah. And so let's be careful so to read this in context that Christ is returning to save Judah. And Judah is going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Judah is going to say, lo, this is our God. We waited for him. But somebody has been educating them and telling them, look, this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the counsel of God. And so chapter 26 and verse 1, in that day shall this song be sung. Where, where will the song be sung? In the land of Judah. That when he returns, it's great joy in the land of Judah. The tribes of the earth are going to wail because of him. This is a horrible day for them. It's a wonderful day in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation. This is what this is the salvation. So again, when we when we read earlier that um, he says in verse 9, it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God. These are Jews speaking. We, Jews, have waited for him, our Messiah. He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So we who are the first fruits, we're the ones who are telling Judah, God is coming to save you. That's why he's coming, Zechariah 12. And now when we stay, this is all one passage, there's no chapter break in, in, in the scroll. In that day when Christ returns, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city, Zion is a strong city. This is our city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. They cannot, they cannot put down the counsel of God. This is his plan. Open you the gates that the righteous nation, nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. And we'll continue, God willing, with this um, passage 
chapter 26 uh, next week as we cover Isaiah, uh, continuing this, this wonderful good news. Uh, tonight we just went through Isaiah's chapter uh, 24 and 25. Thank you uh, so much for being with us. And again, I did put in the chat the link to uh, this new Bible Academy that we're going to be launching. All these studies that we've been doing over the years, uh, we're putting them in this Bible Academy where people can come in and just study in a very gradual way on their own time. All of these, these scriptures in 15 minute increments with, with small quizzes to reinforce their learning. I know when I first came into the church, I, I did the Bible correspondence course. And as much as the scriptures were important, what was, what was what really got me were the questions that were asked, that I would read over a scripture. But when the course asked me certain questions, I'd go back and read the scripture and see things that I never saw before because of the question. And so we think this combination of breaking down the Bible studies into 15 minute increments and then uh, putting these questionnaires or, or these surveys or quizzes in between to make sure that people are really hearing what and seeing what the Bible is actually saying. Uh, we think this is going to be very powerful. So we're going to uh, going to launch this uh, social media campaign to bring people into the academy, and uh, we're hoping that you'll help us uh, go through this process with us and uh, share with us your feedback how we can make it better because we want to serve all people. Christ returns, he's going to hold a feast for all people. And so we have this love for all mankind and we want everybody to, to share with us in this great truth. Thank you so much, brethren, for spending this time with us this evening. Uh, God be praised. What a mighty God we serve. We serve. It's going to be, uh, chapter 24 is very, very difficult. And it's hard for me to get my head around just how powerfully he's going to shape the earth and what that's going to mean for human beings. But at the same time, chapter 25 shows us uh, just how glorious his reign is going to be it's going to be a reign for all peoples but there's a special place that god is going to put israel and judah in the earth because he is the god of israel and he's in an everlasting covenant so let's let's be sure we're preaching the gospel accurately and acknowledge that our god is god praise god brethren thank you so much for joining us god bless you all